Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri and beyond. I'm Executive Director James Owen coming to you live on tape from an undisclosed location in Missouri. Joining us um, on the boards, I think this is our first podcast without Danielle Wilson. Danielle is in the throes of starting law school, but we have Philip Prasica. Uh, all of our friends out there know he is uh, our regional director there in Kansas City. Um, and we have a very special guest um, on. Uh, this is, uh, this, uh, we're going to be introducing you to Nathan Tutt. He is a business program specialist with the United States Department of Agriculture. And the reason I wanted to invite him on today was because last week I came across an article uh, that was published by the St. Louis uh, I guess the, kind of the St. Louis version of National Public Radio that talked a little bit about the Rural Energy Assistance Program, or REAP. So Mr. Tut's going to come on here, and we're going to talk about that and talk about other opportunities that you have through that program. So let's just do it right now. Nathan Tut, Business Program Specialist, USDA. How are you doing today? Doing great, James. Thanks, thanks for having me today and for the opportunity to discuss the Rural Energy for America program. Really? Okay, so that's, okay, so the Rural Energy for America, that, is that different? It, we'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> um, but, okay, so your background, you, you were, we were kind of talking off, offline, you, you, you work in the, uh, the Columbia office for the USDA, that's the state, I mean, is that for lack of a better word, like kind of the state headquarters for the USDA here in Missouri? Yes, sir. We, we have about 25 different field offices uh, filtered around the state. And then we, our state office is located here in Columbia, Missouri. Okay. And uh, you, but you've worked uh, for the USDA. You've worked in Missouri for several years, I believe we were talking about. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, it's been uh, next week. It'll be uh, 16 years. And I, I started with the agency in 2004. Uh, and uh, our field office located in uh, Kennett, Missouri, which is down in the southeast yeah. uh, part of the state. Um, originally, I was uh, raised on a uh, small farm in north central Missouri in Carroll County, Missouri. Oh, yeah. Uh, but then uh, I was, and after I served a year in Kennett um, field office, I was given an opportunity to work uh, back closer to home. So I worked out of the Richmond, Missouri field office for a couple of years, and then I went uh, to our uh, area office in St. Joseph, Missouri at the time, and I was okay. there for a little while before I um, moved uh, to the state office here in Columbia, Missouri. All right, so a little, so uh, I guess a little thing we have in common, you and I, is we're both farm kids. Uh, did, your, did your folks do crops or cattle, what, or did they do both? Yeah, so I was raised on a small farm there uh, in, in north northern Carroll County. It was uh, it was more um, um, hills, you know, compared to the bottom land. So, mm -hmm. I, yeah, my parents did try farming back in you know the uh, the early to mid '80s, and you know, if you have any uh, background on that, it was rough it was time. <laughs> rough time for a lot of smaller farmers. So yeah, yeah. that was. That was my experience growing up there, and, and uh, you know, had a had a great childhood, and uh, you know, just cherish those moments uh, of childhood for sure. 
Yeah, yeah, my folks were dairy farmers down in Webster County, northern Webster County, and uh, they are now doing beef cattle. They've, uh, they call that their retirement. <laughs> it doesn't seem much like retirement to me. It seems like they still work all the time. Um, but yeah, so like certainly for me being from that background, being from a rural part of the state like you, um, the idea of being able to help fund opportunities for that part of the state is really important. And I kind of want to talk a little bit about all right, you mentioned, I, I talked about this from the context of the Rural Energy Assistance Plan, but you, I think, said something like Rural Energy for America. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what, okay, so, so in regards to what you're doing, and in regards to helping people with energy issues, I mean, what is it that the USDA offers, and we'll, we'll kind of start with a broader question and try to narrow it down as far as what people can do. Sure. So the, the acronym that we use for that for the program is REAP, R-E-A-P, and we, we just break that down and that stands for Rural Energy for America program, R-E-A-P. Okay. That's why we call it the REAP program. But um, the Rural Development is a division under the, of the USDA umbrella, and we have over 40 programs that we administer throughout the agency. It can be uh, housing, community programs, with infrastructure, uh, and then we have uh, the Rural Business and Cooperative Service, where, where I'm at currently. Right. We have about a we have about a dozen different programs uh, that we administer under the Business Program Division, and one of those programs is the Rural Energy for America program. Okay. In that program, there we offer financial assistance in the form of either grants and or loans. Okay. okay. And in order to qualify, you either have to be an ag producer, meaning at least 51% of your income is generated by ag production, or a small business located in a rural area. Mm -hmm. Now, we have a link on our website uh, for small business owners that they can go to, and they can simply enter their physical location of where their small business is located, and then that will tell you whether it qualifies for this program or not. Okay. Since we're called rural development, majority of our programs have to be in a what what we call a quote rural area. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, with that said, um, we define the term rural as communities with a population of fifty thousand or less. That's based on the two thousand ten census data. So um, when you look at the metropolitan areas around the state, uh, th there are some areas that would not qualify for small businesses, right. uh, such as Kansas City, uh, St. Joseph, uh, Columbia, right. St. Louis, Springfield, and then Joplin. Right. Those are the kind of the pockets in the state that, that would not really qualify for small businesses that would be interested in applying for this program. However, with that said, you know, there are some, some pockets in and around those metropolitan areas that, um, that would qualify. So I would just encourage anyone that's interested to uh, just go to the website and enter that address and see if it qualifies. Or they can give myself or any one of our staff members a call and we can walk them through that process. All right. So like, for example, like say if you lived in Greene County, which is, uh, you know, where Springfield is, and that's 
larger than 50,000 people. But if you lived in like say Northern Greene County near a town like Farragrove, which has only got 1500 people living there, that might make you uh, potentially eligible for something like this. Safe to say? Yes, that, that is correct. Now, um, you're in is it the Kansas City area, is that correct? Oh, or that's where Philip. That's where Philip okay. is. Well, I, we're we're in Columbia. We're actually Columbia. Uh, okay. Yeah, we're actually so, in state. Yeah, so for uh, the Kansas City area, um, I, I kind of know some general boundaries. Like for the Kansas City area, if you're like Platte City, Smithville, Kearney, and North, that those all qualify. Mm-hmm. And then coming around to the east, like Grain Valley and East, will typically qualify. And then coming down to the south. Yeah. Um, Harrisonville and Peculiar qualify. Uh, Raymore is when you start getting into areas that that were were limited there. Sure. But that's so, the Kansas City market. So when we talk about it, whether you're running, you know, whether you're running a farm as defined by this, you're running a small business in one of these rural areas. I mean, what what precisely is it that people are? What exactly? What kind of projects? What kind of opportunities are people? going to have the uh, going to be able to look at as far as what they can do to like help with their energy issues. Sure. So in the form of our financial assistance on, on their on their grant side, um, a small business owner or a, an ag producer, if if they think that, you know, that they're looking at ways to um, decrease their energy load, um, this grant opportunity is, is one opportunity that the grant is up to 25% of the total project cost. Right. Okay. Now, um, that grant is it's not a guarantee. It's just an opportunity to compete for whatever amount of funding that we have available. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, the program is a national program. And just to give you some rough numbers, um, on a national level, we've got about $500 million available in guaranteed loan monies. Okay. And about 40 million available in grant funding. Sure. So going back to the grant side, um, the phrase that I like to tell people that are, that are interested in applying is apply before you buy. So as long as we have your application on hand, uh, you can go ahead and start and finish that project if they need to get moving on it for other uh, financial incentives such as the, the federal tax credit or local mm-hmm. uh, utility rebates. But as long as we have the application on hand um, first, they, they can go ahead and start and finish that project and still be eligible to compete for that grant um, funding competition, which usually uh, takes place uh, after the first of the calendar year. Yeah. Okay. Because our we run on a fiscal year here at at the federal level and it's October 1 through September 30th. So there's a little bit of uh, timing in play on, we typically don't receive our grant allocation until around February and March of every year. Right. Okay. And I look, yeah. And in looking at your in the website for this program, I noticed that, you know, you don't even need to like apply for the loan. If you have the 75% of funds that can complement the 25% grant, that also makes you eligible, right? That is true. Okay. Yeah, we typically receive a um, uh, a copy of their bank statement or a letter from their bank or lenders saying that they have that uh, that seventy five percent 
readily available right. for the program. So yeah, so so those are those. There's a lot of options under this, um, and you know, as far as like what this can fund. I mean, I, I know the website also talks about this a little bit that this can fund solar projects, small scale wind energy efficiency. I think there's also some methane and, and biofuel opportunities there too. Are there any other things that this covers or would potentially cover? Yeah, in, anything that can uh, reduce their energy cost. Uh, the, the two um, elements that we look at is either energy efficiency improvements, mm -hmm. such as uh, replacing old uh, metal halide lighting with the new LED lighting uh, retrofits, um, ins new insulation, uh, you know, windows, d doors, uh, one thing we've assisted several farmers or ag producers here in the state of Missouri for the past several years have been uh, replacing older uh, grain drying equipment with the more energy efficient systems. Right. So we've, we've awarded several grants over the past several years with, with grain drying systems. So that's on the energy efficiency improvement uh, side. Uh, the other side is the renewable side. So uh, solar, geothermal, right. wind, uh, some hydro. We, we don't see a lot of hydro projects here in Missouri, but that, right. that's another, <laughs> another, yeah. another opportunity. It is a national program, so sure. we, see, we see that across the nation. But yeah, the, those are just uh, some few examples. Each applicant, whether they're a farmer or a business owner, can apply for one of each uh, of those systems if they are interested. So they could apply for one, uh, a lighting project and a solar pro project yeah. if, if they needed to. Do you try to encourage people to do both? Because it seems to me like, I mean, for us, even though our name is Renew Missouri, I mean, we are always encouraging the first thing people should do is engage in energy efficiency. We think that's the best kind of renewable energy. I mean it always makes sense to us that even if you're going to do solar or do wind or do any of these kind of um, additions to your to your um, to your business or to your residence that you're also making sure that you're not using as much power is that something you all encourage people to do well we would encourage potential applicants to obtain an energy assessment or an audit based on their specific right. situation and then once they um, receive the results from from that, then then they can make the decision on what makes you know the most sense for their particular um, their business or farm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it, it, this gets into um, once we get an application, uh, we're going to rank and score all the applications that come in, and there's only six or seven different elements that we look at, and. It, the score sheet that we look at here in Missouri is going to be the same score sheet that you look at in, in Maine or California. Uh, right. It's the same score sheet across the country. So, um, yeah. one of the things that we do see is uh, that we look at is the simple payback period on that project. Right. And a lot of times, the energy efficiency improvements they tend to have a little bit uh, uh, lower payback period um, versus a, a renewable system, but that doesn't say doesn't mean to say that uh, a farmer or business would want to go after a renewable project uh, as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, so you, I know you mentioned something about doing kind of an audit or kind of doing some sort of assessment. Is that, is that required or is that something that just is helpful for your office to process that loan application or that grant application? I mean, is that something that you're, I mean, you're looking at like what the ultimate value would be in the long term for that as far as an energy reduction cost? Yeah, it kind of gets into the, the level of ask on the dollar amount. Mm -hmm. So we have three different application templates on, on the grant side. And uh, the first, there's three different tiers. So the first tier are for projects that have a total cost of 80,000 and less. Wow. So you do the math on that, you get up to a 25% grant on that, they could be looking at a $20,000 grant or less, okay? On a total project cost of 80,000. So with total cost of 80,000 or less, um, the inter they can uh, supply an energy assessment and those um, results can be supplied by the actual energy, uh, uh, the vendor. Mm. for the contractor okay yeah and then what then once we get into the larger dollar amounts like the next tier for projects between 80,000 and 200 and then the third application template for projects that exceed 200,000 and then uh, once we get into those uh, dollar amounts we're, we're going to want to see an actual energy audit from uh, a certified uh, company so yeah, and and so with uh, with kind of that was a question I had when you're talking about these, you said apply before you buy. Do you do you have these? Do these people that apply for this? Do they have like someone they're working with, like a solar installer or like an energy contractor? Do they already have that set up. Do you try to assist them with trying to find resources like that? Uh, how does that normally go for for people applying? Well, it, it just depends. Uh, we see both sides. I mean, a lot of times people will see uh, an article um, about the program and then give us a call and then we'll walk them through the process and then uh, we can get them set up with uh, a grant writer that's familiar with doing, you know, a, this process every day, or we can walk them through it if, if they have the time and interest to, to do it. The application is not that terribly lengthy. It's only eight or nine pages. Okay. Uh, and then there are about four or five uh, additional forms to, compl to complete. Um, but that's, um, you know, that's it in a nutshell on the application. But here again, if, if that, you know, farmer or small business owner, you know, they, they may not have the time, you know, to, to devote to it. You know, they're, right. they're focusing on their own operations and they're saying, yeah, this sounds like a great opportunity, but I, I, I think I might be uh, better suited to work with someone that's doing this, you know, on a daily basis uh, across right. the country. And we, when we can get them in touch with those people and we have uh, relationships with those folks. So. Mm -hmm. And you also talked about this interacting with other incentives and other programs. I mean, I know there are utility companies out there that have energy efficiency rebates and have energy efficiency opportunities. I mean, how much does your office interact with the other with the utility companies like a rural electric cooperative or certainly I know that Ameren and Evergy have uh, service territory in rural areas. I mean, do you work directly with the utilities or is that something you kind of leave to the applicant? Yeah, it's it's not something that we work, I would say, directly with, but 
the, the additional incentives or rebates, those can be stacked on top of our, our uh, federal grant as well and, and not mm -hmm. hinder the, uh, the application or scoring process. Mm -hmm. There's been several business owners and farmers that have been able to capitalize on, um, you know, those some healthy rebates from uh, yeah. the utility providers, uh, especially about four or five years ago. You know, there uh, I've noticed the incentives for those have have dropped over the past few years, but you know, there's still some money available. Um, but and like I said, that they can stack that on top of our grant to, to make the uh, this the you know, the project more palatable for them. Mm -hmm. So how, I mean, so when you talk about, do you have any numbers? And I mean, I, I probably didn't <laughs> ask this in advance. I mean, how many people are taking advantage of something like this in Missouri? How many applications do you get? How many of those are successful? I mean, what, what is your, what, what, are, what are some of those numbers? Yeah, so that's a good question. The, the program, uh, the reprogram was hatched about 15 years ago. And you know, since then there has been money every year in the program. Now that dollar amount fluctuates. Um, this year, our our allocation of grant monies was 1.4 million. Okay, mm -hmm. as far as the number of applications that we received, it was just under 100 this year. Okay, okay. and then. Uh, we have funded, I would say, uh, about 70, 75 of those so far, and we have a couple additional rounds of funding to get through here in August and September before our uh, fiscal year ends. So there's a chance that we might get every application that, that came through uh, selected on that grant program, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, last year, uh, our state allocation was a little over 900000 on the grant side. And we funded uh, uh, 2.2 million um, in awards. And I think there was 94, 93 or 94 uh, applications that we were able to select. Uh, that doesn't always happen where everyone applies and everyone gets selected. Uh, right. the, the year before that, I would say that we funded about 50 to 60 projects and we had to turn away maybe five five to eight applications um so so chances are good if you apply for this more likely than not you will have an opportunity to get some funding for this either through a loan or through a grant yeah it's it's it kind of just goes back to you know you know the answer to the question if you don't ask right so right. <laughs> for, for yeah. anyone for anyone that's looking at ways to you know uh, offset their energy load for their farm or business, it's, it's really a great opportunity for them, um, you know, to, to look into it. Um, it's, like I say, it's not a guarantee on, on the grant side, but it's just an opportunity to compete for funds. And we've had a pretty good success rate here in Missouri the past few years. Mm -hmm. you do, does your office do any kind of outreach or education with these, uh, with the communities you're trying to reach? Or is it something where you kind of offer this and people find it? people just know it's available through your website i mean what kind of what 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 what's kind of the process for trying to find people to look into this kind of funding sure we have a public information uh department where we uh, publish uh, news releases uh periodically and then we also have a, um you know a good partnership with uh, the farm service agency which mm -hmm. is another agency under the usda and they uh uh, su submit uh, additional news releases 
throughout their email subscriber list and their partnerships with uh, with the media. And I, I kind of wonder because I, I feel like since I started this job and, and being from rural Missouri myself, I, I feel like this, like every once in a while you talk to people in kind of smaller, more conservative communities, there's some skepticism about how renewable energy can work and how that can be effective. Have you found that that's been a barrier to doing this work or are you finding that's like that people are, you know, becoming more well-versed in what renewable energy does and they see the opportunity there? I mean, what's kind of been in your experience with what, your you know kind of target population is feeling about renewable energy projects like this yeah i think people are becoming more and more open to the idea i mean the the word is getting out there on the street about available uh, incentives plus plus the economics of it uh, with competition in the marketplace you know the, the prices uh for, for a solar system have came down significantly since you know five ten years ago yeah um, so that this is starting to make you know uh, you know this more sense for folks to look into it, and, and you know another thing is you know it, it's um, that business or farm that owner that you know they need to ask themselves you know am I still going to be doing this you know five ten twenty years down the road yeah. where you know if I think well if I'm not interested in continuing this venture then you know, it may not make sense to pursue the opportunity. Yeah. And there are a lot of challenges to farming right now. I mean, you look at, you know, the cost of, you know, with commodities, you talk about like, from my parent, like say from my personal experience, I know like when you talk about grain prices and you talk about beef prices and you talk about all these other expenses that go into, you know, running an operation. Um, it's a, it's a challenging environment out there right now on a lot of fronts. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I certainly know that you've seen, I mean, have you, and, and I guess, you know, this is a little maybe outside of the purview of what we're talking about, but I know like say with beef prices, there were some concerns earlier in the year that like uh, processing plants were shut down because of COVID. Uh, and so that's been a challenge. I mean, ha have you seen kind of when you talk to people, when you talk to farmers, I mean, what kind of impact COVID has had on that industry just in general? Yeah, I um, I haven't had a lot of uh, direct communication with farmers related to that topic, but I do know there have been uh, some additional uh, programs and news releases that have been uh, announced here with uh, the State Department of Ag, Missouri mm -hmm. Department of Ag just released a, a, a grant opportunity for uh, meat processing facilities. I think that came out about a month ago or so, but yeah. yeah it, just like you say, it's a it's a challenging time for for all of us, and um, you know it's just it's one of those things. I like I mentioned before, it's uh, the, the the program is there for those that are interested, and you know it's it, it doesn't take a lot of time or money to uh, look into it to see if it's right. if it's something that would work for their situation. Yeah. Now, one thing I didn't I, I didn't notice on the website, and I don't know if this is something that is part of the solar or not. And I just thought of this: is there is there something? Are you are you looking at like um, products or programs involving storage as well, in addition to some of these other renewable things? Is that something that's on battery storage and all that that's on your radar as far as providing op opportunities for? Yeah, it's um, I, I, I've seen the uh, the battery storage in some of our applications. Um, but it, 
you know, I wouldn't say it's like a, a focus, but right. I have seen it come across. Yeah. So that is something that if you were looking at solar plus storage or you're looking at some sort of concept, that would be a part, that would be something that you all would consider as well. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's good because I just, I've noticed that I, I talk to a lot of, uh, well, I talk to a lot of solar installers as part of my job here. And I know more and more of them are trying to offer solar plus storage uh, packages <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, because I know certainly the sun doesn't shine all the time. And so storage can also really help increase the potency of those programs. Okay. Um, so if people want to learn more about this, more about the you know, rural energy for America, where do they go? Who do they talk to? Well, we have um, um, seven different staff members here under the business program section in, in Missouri. Uh, anyone can give me a call um, or, or shoot me an email. Yeah, uh, I could I could send them some general uh, um, bullet points on the program, the application templates, general mm -hmm. fact sheets, uh, just marketing material. I'd be happy to to share that with you or anyone that was interested. And then um, we have a gentleman that works um, out of our Moberly uh, field office that covers northern Missouri. And then uh, we have a staff member in our Springfield field office that covers Southwest Missouri up to the Kansas City uh, area. And then uh, another gentleman in our Houston field office, Houston, Missouri field office. Yeah. So that covers Southeast Missouri up to the St. Louis market. Okay. So, that, so they wouldn't be just dealing uh, with you. <laughs> they would be dealing with just uh, whoever is in their area. That is correct. All right. Um, and we'll, we'll make sure that we get some of that information. We sent out an email with this podcast to all of our supporters that are on our mailing list. And so we'll make sure that they have that information and at least that gives them a place to start. We'll also share that St. Louis public radio, uh, uh column. Uh, so you all will get to see that. Uh, well, Mr. Tut, um, any, anything that we haven't talked about that you want to try to promote or let our, um, our vast listenership, uh, <laughs> Uh, be made aware of? <laughs> no, I, I would say just quickly here on, on the other side of the reprogram, there is an opportunity for a guaranteed loan. And we're, we're typically looking at, uh, you know, a larger uh, project size, typically more than $100,000. Mm. So if someone's looking at, a, um, at meeting financing, we do have that guaranteed loan program available and that's, it's lender driven. So uh, we would receive the application from that uh, ag producer or small business owners, uh, bank or lender. And then um, the, those applications actually compete on a monthly cycle because oh, okay. the, the money there is like 500 million nationwide. So we, we oh, wow. there's a, a lot more money available in that program versus the grant side. But uh, just wanted to mention that real quick before we get off here. Um, and, and I guess it's, you know, it just kind of made me think, you know, as far as like the interest rates on those loans, I know you're just, you just got done talking about kind of a larger project uh, loan. And I know we talked about some smaller versions. I mean, I mean, are there, are, how are the loan, how are the interest rates set on that? That's negotiated between the oh. applicant and their, and their lender. They, they can be fixed or variable. Uh, but again, that's, that's going to be negotiated between the, the applicant and the, their lender. Okay. 
Okay. So that you would be working with like a, you would be working with a bank and that would be how this money is processed. That, that is correct. Okay. And, and what, I, some people, what some yeah. people will do is uh, they can apply for um, both a loan and a grant at the same yeah. time, we call it the loan grant combination. And the, the maximum assistance on that is 75%. So if the applicant is going for that full 25% right. uh, on, the, on the grant side, uh, the maximum loan would be 50% to get us the 50 plus the 25 to get us to the maximum 75% assistance in the program. So for example, if it's, you're looking at a $200,000 project and they wanna go after the full 25% on the grants, 50,000, our maximum loan on the REAP side would be 100,000, okay? So, and then we would not be able to approve that loan until we found out if they got the grant or not. So there's an, there's an element of timing there. Um, it it kind of gets back to what's more important to the applicant. Is, is the grant more important to me or do I need to get moving on this sooner than later? Right. Because the, uh, the loan can't be approved until you know, we find out if they get the grant and that's that's if they ask for both a grant and a loan. Now, if they're just asking for strictly a loan, we make those yeah. on a monthly cycle. I see. Okay. And uh, and this is just another thing I thought of. That 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 loan's going to be have a you have a security interest behind it. You're going to have that uh, attached to some property. Yes, sir. Sorry, that's the boring lawyer in me. It's going to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan Todd, uh, USDA Business Program Specialist. Um, Thank you for your time, uh, and we appreciate you sharing uh, not, uh, your knowledge and your background and the details about this program. Um, we appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, thanks for having me, and like I say, have, you can have anyone give me a call anytime or shoot me an email, and I'll get the information out to you as soon as I can. We'll get it to them, and, and we just want to thank our audience as well. We want to thank you for your support. We want you to know that if you like what you hear on Renew Gurus, Subscribe to us on any of your major uh, podcasting platforms. Write a positive review. Negative reviews don't do us any good. And also share this on your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram, whatever it is. Uh, also, just a quick programming note. Uh, if you're interested, um, we have a uh, one-hour webinar that we're doing on August 28th about gas isris laws. So, Nathan, if you're excited to hear about something like that, we'd love to have you. It's a gas, and just one of the legislative updates from last year. That's going to be from noon to 1 o'clock on August 28th. That's, um, I believe, that is two weeks from tomorrow. And we will also be doing a physical location in Prison Brews if you're in Jefferson City, but we'll also be doing that by web. On behalf of Renew Missouri and on behalf of Philip Persica, we want to thank all of you for listening and we'll see you next time on the radio.